let's just have a word of prayer Heavenly Father Lord in a world Lord that is no hope people going to and fro don't have any source of strength but Lord here we can gather because we know we have one that is all hope to us Lord for hope is in you O God man puts their hope in so many things but it is just empty Lord we can put our hope in you and know Lord our salvation is secured at Calvary Lord what a hope we have pray you come tonight Lord to speak your words Lord Jesus you have your way Lord you take the direction you take the service in whichever way you desire Lord both speaker and hear would you take into your complete control Lord we pray in Jesus Christ's name Amen Amen well, let's take our Bibles. I thought maybe I'd sing a song, but we'll just leave it at, uh, there. We'll take our Bibles. We'll open in John 16. Going to need your help tonight. We were just speaking in the office, and Brother Ed was just mentioning just a little uh, experience. And, you know, tonight he's saying, tonight could just be for one. <laughs> tonight could be for one. So there's if there's one out there, the rest of us have to rally together. Yeah. And come behind the word and support it for that one. You know, that one might not even be in here. That one might be through that camera somewhere on the internet somewhere. But we're going to pray tonight, though, with something we just sank in your heart. A little, maybe just a little bit fundamental tonight. Uh, a little bit just down, down home. But it's Wednesday night. All right, it's Wednesday night. It's family time a little bit. All right. I need your help. All right. John 16, and we'll start in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and see me no more. Of judgment. Because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Amen. You may have your seats. Last time we spoke, we spoke on worth it all. And we spoke, a, we lifted our eyes a little bit and took a little glimpse at what, uh, what's before us and what's ahead of us. And, uh, and I, had a, I had a really wonderful time just even preparing for it and uh, just to see what the Lord has for us in store and really not too far ahead of us, <laughs> right? But tonight, I'm, we're just going to go back a little bit. You know, a lot of times they write books and they'll write the last book and then they go, the author goes back and he writes the, you know, the... Pre, prelude to all of it. And he writes the first book last, right? Ever read those? I'm amazed at how they do that, how to intertwine everything together. But tonight I'm going to kind of go back and we'll have this service is how do we get to that end goal? Amen. Okay, so that's where we're going to go a little bit tonight. Guided into truth is what we'll speak on. But 
We have a journey to go on to try and get to where we spoke on last uh, last time. And uh, it's uh, it'll be quite a journey. Uh, we talked about pressing and, and uh, striving to, to get there and determined to reach the goal. And, and it would be worth it. It would be worth it. But yeah, but we got the journey here. We've got we're we're down to earth now, and there's lots of different journeys and endeavors and ex- expeditions and such that man can go on. And some people just actually focus on trying to do as as the most extreme they can. Uh, you know, Everest would come up as probably one of your the top extreme events and journeys that you could take. Um, die every year on Everest trying to get there because they're just driven to to achieve a goal to stand on top of the world. And so they're willing to take that journey and take that, that trek. They can do K2, which is another dangerous, um, one of the top seven, I believe, highest mountains in the world you can climb, but is actually, I think, more dangerous than Everest, and they die on there quite often. Uh, there's what's called the Villa Rica Volcano, and you can actually hike right up into the top of this volcano. It's active, and it, you can see the lava depths down below. You can actually bungee jump off a, a chopper that kind of drops you into the... Uh, into the middle of this. These are journeys and these are expeditions that people choose to do. You know, they go, they go through great difficulties to do that. You can cave dive in, in many of Mexico's cenotes, I believe is how it's pronounced, or in Bahamas, and you're underground in caves, massive underwater caves. Very, very dangerous to do that. Um, you know, if something goes wrong, there's really just no way out. It's not like <laughs> there's no top to come to. And, and uh, you can go shark diving in South Africa, of course, Amazon jungle trekking. You can ski in Antarctica. These are adventures. These are journeys. People endeavor on on this planet Earth right now. Seriously extreme events that they, they go on. And likely in some of these, not likely, without the training, um, you will die, most likely in some of these. And many of these, you ain't going without a guide. Even if they're a well-experienced cave diver or a well-experienced a climber or hiker or anything of that nature, there always is a guide, right? There's always a guide that is going with them and helping them along the way that knows the trail, knows that particular place that they're going. They might have never done K2. They might have climbed everything, but they're going to take somebody that's done that so they know exactly where they're going and what they need to prepare for. So a guide is quite important. A guide ensures you don't get lost. Let's go through a few of these. And uh, he knows the exact way, like I said. He's going to know, he's done it before. Generally, he's done it before. The guy, I wouldn't be going, hey, can you guide me up Everest? Sure, I'll do that. Okay, I'm ready, I'm prepared, I've got my, my skill set ready. Have you been there? No, I've never done it in my life. That's not the guide you want, right? For obvious reasons. He's, you want someone that's been there, he's gone through it, he knows exactly what's ahead. He needs to know what you need for the journey, Right? And you, you want him to tell you if you're missing anything, you know, some vital piece of equipment, right? You're going to go cave diving, you need your tanks. You know, if you forgot that, you definitely want someone to tell you, bring your tank along or provide it for you, right? They'll provide the supplies, they'll provide the food, they'll provide equipment and prepare you for the journey or the endeavor or expedition ahead, right? He's skilled, he can protect you, he can keep you from harm. He's actually paid to get you there. Right? You're gonna pay a guide, he's paid to get you. You're right? You're, you're not, uh, you're usually paying some good money to go up in Everest. I think it's about five figures or so. And, uh, so it's, it's very expensive. And you're his responsibility. You're in his hands and he's responsible for you. That's your guide. So it's a, it's a big task to be a guide. You wouldn't take that lightly. There's a, 
in all of these different journeys that you could take, there was one that kind of stood out uh, to me that was really extreme. And it, it was a little bit deceiving. It started out very smooth and uh, and easy, but it was it, it got very difficult as it went along. Quite rugged, in fact. And uh, people that have gone on it encounter incredible, incredible pain. Um, many just break in tears through the journey just because it is sometimes so difficult. There's a high risk, if not sometimes um, death. It's it's very extreme. It tests courage, strength, and weaknesses. Um, but there's extreme. It's it's so it's, it's quite the journey. It has such extreme moments of joy and elation. You reach multiple summits along the way, and it's just uh, words don't really express it. Uh, the sights and the vistas, the views that uh, that are experienced, they're unparalleled really to any other any other journey. Uh, it's dangerous, needless to say, and it requires extreme care in so many instances. Anybody want to go on it? <laughs> Brother Gary, he's game. <laughs> You're actually all on it. You're on the journey of life, right? It involves all of that. And and so if people that would take an earthly journey of extreme measures with a guide, far be it from anyone that would not want a guide on a journey of life, right? Like I said, it's very fundamental tonight. It's really simple. Okay, but it's where you need to be. We need a guide. We need a guide. But I'm always just amazed, though, out of 7 billion people on the planet, how many actually have the guide that's going to get them to where we talked about last service? How many? A small fraction, really, of the people actually have the guide with them along the way. to my page and I couldn't find page two. Here we go. Got me scared for a second. So, Brother Branham said, God sends a guide. God wants you to remember that he's appointed. He's his appointed guide and we must remember him. He says, Jesus said, I will not leave you, but I'll pray the Father and he'll send you another comforter. We read a a scripture similar. And this comforter, when he is to come, was to guide us into all truth. All right? So, we know that Christ is our guide. The Holy Spirit is our guide. And that's where we're going to want to go to here a little bit tonight. But no one no one wants to be. Not, very few people want to be guided. You know, no one wants to. It's, you know, somehow in life we just want to do it all on our own. And don't want to have that that someone there that can get you through. And, and like I'm saying, life is, is uh, it's treacherous. And we need it. We need the guide, you know. But without the guide, what happens though is on our own. You're going on your your journey, and what happens when you're on when you get out there, you easily get lost. Easily get lost without a guide, and it's hard to even admit you're lost. Anybody been lost? Nobody's been lost. All right. I have a tough time believing that, <laughs> spiritually and naturally. <laughs> because when you admit that you're lost, you're admitting that you're basically you're out of control. Your ability has come to an end. 
and, and there's nothing left. You, you're at the absolute end of your mental capabilities, your physical capabilities, and you're helpless. I'm lost. And you have to just let, lay it all down. That is a step that is difficult to make both naturally in an event where you're maybe in the forest or somewhere like that, or spiritually, maybe even a bit more difficult to admit, you know what, I am lost. And give up that complete control, well, that you don't have. Defining loss. A lost person is unable to identify or orientate himself or orient uh, his present position or location with respect to known locations. So I'm here and have no clue where I am in relation to somewhere else. Okay, that's, that's lost. And he has no effective means or method of reorientating himself. So he doesn't know where he is in relation to somewhere else, and he has no way to figure out where he's at. That's lost. That sounds pretty pathetic. Not much going on there. So what happens when you get lost? When you get lost, after a period of time, well, the first thing that sets in is panic. Panic sets in really quick when you get lost. And if you can't curb the panic, you're in deep trouble. Because that accelerates everything going down the line. And if you can try and curb that, well, you might, you might get, you know, get stabilized a little bit. But that's a small fraction of people that can do that. Generally, it's panic. And things start going from there. You become, in, in, in cases, you become delirious. You get confused. You're disorientated. And you go what Brother Brown even talks about, a death walk. Right? You start going on a death walk. Because you have no clue where you're going. You think, oh, it's this way, and you start to wander. You know, a very, you know, what's the, what's the first rule when you're lost? Rumble, rumble, rumble. Stay where you're at. Is that what was said out there? Stay where you're at. (laughs) I hope so. You know what? Again, a very small fraction of people even followed that rule, even though apparently all of you knew it. They don't. You start to wander because you think, I think I know where I'm at. I'm going to maybe just head in this direction. And so they head in a certain direction and they find out many times they come back to maybe where they left off. And they start wandering and many times it becomes a circle around and around. They go and that's where things start going south because now they're be- now they're getting more of a panic. They become more disorientated and become delirious. They st- their health is going, depending if they're in the cold or, or where they're at. Maybe they got not limited food. And what happens in some cases, some people, they start stripping off their equipment. They start ditching their gear. Some have thrown off their clothes, even in, in snow and, and uh, cold uh, conditions. And so their hands now have no gloves because they're, they're just completely lost, both physically and lost in their men- mental capabilities as well. Being lost is horrible. It's a terrible feeling. And you can actually go wild. And you'll do things you shouldn't when you're lost. But Abraham said, and when a man's lost, he's in a state of bewildered. And he don't know that he's in that state because he's being lost sends this fever upon him. He doesn't know where he's at and how he's acting. So it is when a man's lost from God, he'll do things that he ordinarily wouldn't do. Okay, when you're lost from God, you find you're doing things. I would never do this. That's a good indicator. You don't have a guide with you right now. You've deviated and you're lost because you're doing things. I would never do that. 
Too many people, they never look back and they say, they deviate, they go off the path. If you just take a look back and say, wow, what am I doing? Very rarely is that done. If they just look back and say, whoa, I've gone way off. You're lost. You're lost. He's, he'll do that, but around continues. That's beyond the thoughts of a human being doing. A lost man from God, a lost church from God, a church that's gone away from God, got away from the principles of God's Bible, will do things that sometimes they wouldn't expect. And boy, have I seen that in these last years. People that leave and start doing things you'd never, what are you doing? You'd never do that. Because they've gotten off. They have no guide. And they're lost. You know, that's naturally, you can talk naturally lost. There's a few few points on, on lost in your own personal world. And we can talk both naturally, spiritually, but... Because today there's a lot of people that are isolated in their own mind. And they might be just living life... But they're actually so isolated that they're just lost in their world. They call a few points to that drift syndrome. And if you don't really know what you're doing, there's a few key points, a few here. I'll go through seven of them that will uh, contribute to your, you being lost in your world. And this can tie into on the spiritual side. Drift syndrome, not sure why or what you're doing day in and day out. You're just do, you're just going, you're just drifting. You have no clue what you're doing. Okay, you can both do that naturally or spiritually. You have no anchor. You're not tied to nothing. You don't know what you even believe anymore. You're just drifting. You're drifting. One, too busy to be doing something that you're passionate about. You work, you go to school, you work, go to school, whichever. You're just whatever one you do. Maybe you do both. Family, and you're just you're just in this. You know, sequence and schedule, but you have nothing that you do that you're passionate about. So people say, well, you need a hobby, you need to put time to that. Or on a spiritual side, you're not passionate about what you're believing in. And you're so busy in different things in the world and you don't have any time to put towards what you believe and your passion for Christ is just there, not there at all. No passion in your spiritual life. Too busy. No passion. Can't locate a purpose. You can't seem, you can't see anything in really what you're doing. It's like nothing. What am I doing this for? It's just like for going nowhere. It's just this re- repetition. So you can't even locate a purpose. Again, going back on a spiritual side, you, you, you've lost. You're so drifting. You, like I said, you don't even really know what, you're, what you believe, and therefore there, there's no purpose even in what in what your faith is in because you, you've you've disconnected. Social support is vacant. You can have all the Snapchat friends you want. But there's actually zero relationship with anybody. Right? And you can be the same thing in your spiritual walk. You can have a whole body, but you have zero relationship with anybody or with him. Cognitive overload. So much sensory overload, sensory overload, just just pouring into us here in this technological age. It's coming from every single angle. You can't seem to take it. You're inundated by it. All these different streams of life, and it's just overload. You can't take it no more. No place to let off the pressure. 
and you're gain, you're lost, you're in this world and you have no, you're disconnected from God and you don't even have that source to go to and let the pressure off. And everything's now overloading. Distractions and fragment focus. The overload above we just talked about creates so much distraction. Everything is fragmented and it's just everywhere and there's no focus in your life. And to cap it off, your diet's bad and you're eating bad food and it actually contributes to a fog of your mind scientifically, believe it or not. Those seven things, if you actually have those or you can relate to those, lost, isolated in your world and we're living in a world, the world is lost. And they've compared these feelings and these different symptoms and paralleled them with depression. And they're very similar. And so you can see where and why we have so much mental difficulties because really, you're just lost. And they need a guide to get them back to take care of all of these things. Scripture says, Isaiah 55, 6-11 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. You know, while he may be found, indicates that there could be a time where he's not able to be found. Said, so if you're in that state, call upon the Lord while he may be found, or seek ye the Lord, sorry, and call upon him while he's near. Quickly, Urgently, if you're lost, the first thing people are doing are shouting, help, help, help. They've recognized they're lost. And the scripture says, seek ye the Lord while he can be found and call upon him. Amen. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Amen. Amen. That could sound pretty, pretty, uh, despairing there out loss and and the conditions of the world mentally physically spiritually but scripture i was so thankful let him return unto the lord and he will have mercy upon him for he will abundantly pardon amen there's a way out all the time god's provided a way amen it's not bleak it's not bleak if you're feeling like you're in that lost state, call upon the Lord while he is near. Amen. And seek him while he may be found. There is a limited time. So, we want to stay with the guide. If we have the guide with us, if we are Holy Ghost filled and the Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us, Joshua came to the Jordan River and he rose early in the morning. They removed from Shittim and came to Jordan and he and all the children of Israel and they lodged before they passed over. And I was, I, the scripture, Brother Brown speaks of it in the, uh, the message, a guide. And they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, covenant now they're going into promised land. They're going over to Jericho. They're now going to go over here. And he said, okay, priests, uh, are going to take the ark and the priests and Levites bearing it, then shall you remove from your place and go after it. 
Okay, the ark is going to go before you. Yeah. Actually stated a certain amount of, uh, of cubits. I think it was about 2,000 or so feet. That was what it was before them. So the ark is going to go before you. The word will go before you. It's going to guide you. Get up from your place and go after it. Okay, we're going to follow the word. Yet there shall be a space between you, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Uh, I think it was 3,000 feet. Come not near unto it that ye may not, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way before. God's got a guide. He knows you haven't been this way before. It's unknown to you. Go, let the word of God go before you, amen, and guide you down life's journey, amen. But Abraham says, what was the ark? It's the word. Don't travel your denominational routes. Stay right behind the word because you haven't passed this way before, amen. Brother, if there ever was a time that the Christian church ought to examine itself, he says, is right now. He talks about the conditions we're in and where we're at and, and we're beyond that, amen. He says, and here we are, right, everything right at the door, people still following after creed, you better stay behind the word. The word will lead you across because the word is Christ, Christ is God, and God is the Holy Ghost. It's all the same, and he's the one leading you. You haven't gone here before, he will guide you, amen? Stay behind the word, he says, stay with that guide, stay right behind it. You don't want to get lost. Not in this world. Not in this world. The guide has understanding. How to go. What to do. And God has always sent a guide to his people. God has always sent a guide to his people. God has never failed. He sends a guide. But you've got to accept that guide. Not your own ideas. Not what you think you should be doing. You have to accept the guide. And here would be a difficult part. He says, you've always got to go the way he says. If you get into a wilderness and your guide says, we're going this way. And you think, hmm, you want to go that way. What's going to happen? You're going to come up lost. Then you think, hmm, God sends us a guide to guide us. We've got to follow the guide no matter what we think. What looks reasonable and what looks ridiculous, we're not subject to divide that. The guide is the only one. You are not subject to divide that, whether you think it's reasonable, unreasonable, ridiculous, fanatic, whatever. You are not subject to divide that. The guide, the Holy Spirit, which is the word, is the only one. That simplifies it, doesn't it? It places it all the responsibility on Christ, none on you. He's your guide. Just lay in that, amen? Let the wicked forsake his way, and a righteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy. And he will abundantly pardon. We read this. For my thoughts, this is the next scripture. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your way, or your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. But read, started the prayer in the office with these exact words. Amen. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts and your thoughts. And his ways are higher than my ways and your ways. Right? All right. And we can see that all through scripture. The ridiculous to man is all through scripture. To man. Right? It would be ridiculous that Moses was going to take over Egypt. That's the ridiculous as Brother Branham says here. Or it doesn't look reasonable. 
right? Moses, he was set, he was in charge. He's prince of Egypt in, in, and under Pharaoh. He would have been part of all the battles and mighty armies and such as he would have grown up. You think he could have probably run a coup? No, he decided to go and do it one man alone and kill an Egyptian one on one. And that didn't work out, did it? With all his military might, his military knowledge, his, his training, etc., that would have been thought, that would be the man route. That was what he thought too. That was the man route. But that was ridiculous to God. Alright? So he sends him out for 40 years in a desert. He gets 40 years older and now comes back with a staff, and a wife and a baby, Aaron beside him, and he comes up into Pharaoh's throne and says, let my people go. Ridiculous to man. And Pharaoh too. He thought that was pretty probably. In fact, I, I read this scripture and I, I, I chuckled at it. Scripture says in... Uh, Exodus, and they uh, and they shall hearken to thy voice. This is God speaking to him. And thou shalt come, and thou and the elders of Israel unto the king of Egypt, and ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us. And now let us go. We beseech thee, three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. This is God speaking to Moses. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. This is scripture. <laughs> I said, Lord, has a sense of humor. And I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. <laughs> I thought, you know, Lord, I'm sure the king of Egypt is not going to let you go. So, no, because he wanted to show himself mighty. God wanted to show his power. He wanted to show what he could do. It wasn't man's ideas. It was not man's ways and what he could do. God was going to be the one on the scene. And he was going to take all the glory. You're not getting nothing, Moses. It's my glory. It's my power. He's God. He can do exactly what he wants. And man, his ways are ridiculous to man. And we're not subject to divide that. You know... But Abraham says, Noah, God spoke to Noah, a message that was, certainly was unscientific and unbelievable. But Abraham said, it was unscientific and unbelievable was the message to Noah. Build an ark out of gopher wood, and he gave him all the plants. Eh, no one could have believed it, he said. It had never rained on earth. Unscientific. Right? It was an extremely technological age. Right? As it was in the days of Noah. Today. Same as it is today. And here, what are we, what do we hear a lot? Well, it doesn't, science, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not all right, it doesn't match up, it's not fact. Same thing. Really, Noah, your, your wooden boat, I mean, rain, there's nothing in the sky, they measured the water, it was unscientific to the core. Ridiculous to man. But we're not subject to divide that, neither did Noah do that. He just believed it. God said it, I believe it. The guide said it, I'm going to follow. It's as simple as that. Noah wasn't dividing and saying, oh my goodness, no. No, he wasn't. He just started to build for a whole long time. 120 years he started to build, right? The ridiculous to man, David, a small ruddy boy. Small ruddy boy, you read it. Just a teeny little thing, going to go kill giants, right? Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Sure, Israel's... Why wouldn't Saul, they tried to obviously Saul in all his armor, trying to at least, you know, let's get, 
you know, some sanity into this. Right? Let's wear some armor. No. God's way was a small little boy with a leather strap as we took with the uh, little kids on a devotion. It's ridiculous. Nine and a half feet or so tall. 14 inch fingers. 15 pound spearhead. Think of it. 120 pounds just in his armor. Just in his his chest piece. And here's David, right? He ran to him. Amen. Read the scripture. I come to you with the Lord of hosts. Amen. It didn't matter what he had in his hand, right? That's our God. Don't divide it. Just believe it. Amen. Follow the guide. Glory. Samson, Brother Brown says, a sissy boy. Seven little locks. That's why it was so incredible when he tore a lion apart. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous to man. Peter, unlearned, given the keys of the kingdom. Couldn't even sign his name. Paul, a blasphemer and a messenger to the first church age. Doesn't comprehend with man, but that's the guide. Follow the guide. Amen. Peter and the fish, when he was fishing. Fished all night. Fished all night. Peter was an experienced fisher. Right? He said, well, Jesus said, what? Put them on the other side. I've been fishing all night. No, the guide said, put it on the other side. Don't reason. Don't question. Just put it on the other side. What did Peter do? But Abraham said, and here's the secret. Peter said, now I know. These Peter's thoughts. There's no fish in there. Lord, but at thy word, I'll let down the net. Amen. It was just too simple. But we just, we really hammer against the simplicity of it. At Thy word, amen. He said, just put it over the side. Contrary to everything Peter was thinking, I've just fished this forever, all night actually, and uh, I cast the nets. And what happened? It was full of fish. At thy word, Lord, amen. God's ways lead you right through the deep sea, into the wilderness, up and over the hills, through the wilderness of sin and so forth. But God will bring you out if you'll just follow him and not try to use your own thoughts. Difficult in our day and age. Don't use your own thoughts. Just do what God says do and you'll be all right. Believe that, he says. Congregation says. Amen. You're following along with the quote real well. <laughs> But that takes faith. It takes faith to be able to do that. You know, you don't know how you get... I'm going to read a quote now. This one, I was really blessed. Contrary to everything, the thoughts, your thoughts are going to say. You're going to take this, put this in your little nugget bag, and and take this when you go down out the door. But Abraham says, you're not giving an account. He says, you don't know how you'll get out of that chair. And get away from there tonight. See, you don't know how you're going to do this. And how those other diseases are going to be healed. But at thy word, Lord, I'm going to let down the net. This is where faith really kicks in. At thy word, Lord, I'm going to rise from here. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But at thy word, that's it. Take God at his word. And God's spoken word must materialize. And produce just exactly what it says it will. Amen. Take God at his word. Peter did. Contrary to all of his fishermen experience, threw the net back in and got a 
whole net load. Take him at your word. Yeah, my situation is impossible. I don't even know how it's going to come to pass. It's, it's beyond all human understanding. It's way off in the extreme. I don't care. God doesn't care either. He just says, take me at my word. Rise up and God's spoken word will materialize and produce just exactly what it says it will. Amen. Brother Branham, he talks, he takes an account of two ladies that came to, came in a prayer line. He's talking about the lady who had a real stomach trouble and the other one had a tumor. He said, thus saith the Lord. He said to the lady with stomach trouble, he said, go and eat anything you want. Stomach trouble, go and eat anything you want. Man would say, are you crazy? Stomach trouble? He said several days, pretty near died. Well, if that was you, and you had stomach trouble, and he says, go and eat anything you want, and the first time you took that, and you just about died, were you going to continue? Your faith would drive you to. Your faith in his word, thus saith the Lord, go eat anything you want, and pretty near died. Weeks later, something cool passed through her. Weeks later, just keep plodding. I'm taking him at his word. The guide pointed me this direction. Weeks later, I almost died taking him at his word. You didn't die. You almost died. But weeks later, ooh, something cool just passed through her. She run down that street to tell her neighbor that had a big lump on her throat. And the Lord had spoke to her and said that she was going to be well. Thus saith the Lord. And she said, and said, then she went out to see her. She found her neighbor, neighbor just screaming to the top of her voice. The lump had just left her throat weeks later. Weeks later. Amen. What happened? Here it was. You know it. The angel of the Lord who had spoke the word was coming through the neighborhood right at that time. Oh, isn't that amazing? Take him at his word. Maybe he's just going to start walking through your neighborhood in just a couple weeks time. Something cool just flows through you and you're healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's where this guide will take you. Amen. Amen. Now, go back a little bit. We, our thoughts, not wanting our thoughts to get in the way. And it, de- it will take us right off the path, just so quick, when we bring our own thoughts into the mix here. Now, we want to ask the guide anytime there's a question. Oh, no, should I do this? You know, what about, should I do this? Do, am I going this way? No, do I want to go this way? No, I want to go this way. And you're passing. Lord, what's, what's your will? What's your will? I have a job offer. What, what do you think about this job offer? Lord, what do you, what do you think? Oh, oh, great guy. What do you, well, you know, look at this. And look at, no, maybe that's not, okay, Lord, at, at that word, I'll just, I'll, I'll put you first. You know, oh, it's going to be on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. No, you first, Lord. That's your guide. You're passing it through him. He's your guide. You're going to bounce that off him and say, Lord, you first. You're, you tell me what to do. I'm going to follow you. He becomes your filter. Your, everything goes through him. That's what your guide's there for. Filters are a big deal. The N95s, can't buy them no more. You know what an N95 is? It's what everybody wants in China and everywhere beyond because it puts it on their face and they're going to get clean air. It's an N95 filter. You, you can't even find them. They're sold out even even in all the other places. If you want to go to the drugstore, have fun. Because everyone wants an N95 because they want clean air. I don't want to breathe any disease or something. I need to make sure I got my filter on me. It's a big deal. They're high demand. Because no one wants to be contaminated with a virus. It's eating people up. 
Mentally. Mentally, eating them up. The world's gone crazy. Man, I am, I I just said, I said, Lord, I am so thankful. I am not even thinking about it. But it's just consuming them. And they're driven, like I said, it's a big, trying to make sure that they're all filtered up and face masks and everything. I said, you know what? I want the WG-66. You know what that is? It's the Word of God. 66 books of the Bible on my face. Making sure that I've got inoculation. Amen? I want, hey, you want clean air. No one wants to be, you know, carrying something. But you know what? What about spiritually? You can be so concerned about your natural. My lungs need to make sure they're not going to die. But you're, you, got, you got no guide? You're not filtering your life through Him or nothing? Come on. We just allow the world just to filter right in, unfettered into our life. Because we're off the path and we've disconnected from our guide. And now our thoughts are just completely free. world just come in and start air, contaminated air. Satan's air. I'm going to talk a little bit about that air. <laughs> Lord, help me here. I was going to maybe not, but I'm going to. Because this world can really just influence us real easily. And so I just want to talk. I know Brother Tom actually hit it a little bit. and I, uh, Just within our families on how the, the, the world and its ways and its thoughts start impacting just subtly actually how our, how our family lives are. And... Uh, because the scripture, uh, the guide, is very clear on some of these things. And the wife's position in the home, husband's position in the home, children's position in the home. This is all here. But we start deviating from our pathway or saying we don't need the guide and we're in now this lost state. And what's going to happen is now the world and its thoughts are now going to permeate through into your thoughts. And you don't really even realize it, but you start actually, your home starts to be looking a little bit like the world's home. Happens easy. That's Satan's endeavor. I mean, that's what he's, he's trying to do. The woman right now definitely is, Satan is putting her on the top. Right? Everything you see in media, I don't care whether it's films, I don't care whether it's books, music, I don't care what it is. But as scripture so says, that she will be as a god, worshipped, a a woman. And that is so contrary to the order that scripture has placed for us to follow. Adam... Scripture said, God took a rib from Adam, and he made a woman, and brought her unto man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Everything is trying to create a weak man and a strong woman. Everything. 
is trying to flip that. And then what happens is the dad gets out of his place, the husband gets out of his place, and then the wife now has to try and compensate in some cases because you're out of your place, dad's husbands, and therefore the wife now gets out of her, out of her place because the man of the home is not being the man of the home. And this combats that. It does. Giving thanks always for all things unto God in Ephesians 5 and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Okay, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. I'm not talking man oppressing a woman. Husband oppressing a wife. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're here. Submitting yourselves in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your husbands and to your own husbands as the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church. Is Christ an oppressor of the church? Neither is a husband or a father an oppressor in the home. As Christ leads the church, so should you fathers lead your home with strength, with courage, with love, with passion. As a husband, as a father, with love. Don't deviate from that. That's scripture. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ head of the church. And even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. This is not any doctrine, and this is not any comprehensive. These are just some thoughts. As for, uh, three, I just, you know, there's some things needed in a home. We need balance in a home. And I came, I was reading, and I just was, and I came across the quote I wasn't even looking at, and I said, oh my lord, that's, he's talking about, but Abraham starts talking about the gifts in the church. And, uh, how they're in or just the order of it and such. He goes, it's Satan trying to push them overboard because they're trying to get in order. He says, if you can, he said, Satan trying to push them overboard, speaking of the gifts. He said, if he can keep a truth, if he can't keep a truth from you, he'll take that same truth and push you overboard with it. So if he can't take something from you, a truth, he can push you so far on the one side, you're way off balance, just as bad. It's just as bad to be way over here as it is to not have the truth at all. I said, let's balance in the home. That is balance in the home. That is very critical. Moms and dads need to have a balance. You know, I'll just give you a little tidbit. I appreciate my parents. They raised us with balance. And simple things even. Even go through Halloween and different things like that. We're little kids... We didn't know, we, you know, we're not going trick-or-treating and all this kind of thing. But our my, my parents did not take something away without actually giving something. Simple, I know. But we did something special with the family. Because we'd go to school and all these kids went out and they trick-or-treated and had candies and whatever. And had an eight-year-old, that was important. And so you can't pull something away and say, we don't do that, it's bad, isn't that? You know? And then they, they don't understand balance in the home is needed. Spiritual life needs to be lived before your kids. Your kids are not dumb. You can have the most spiritual devotion on the planet and talk about the seven seals and the seven church ages. If your life doesn't match what you're living, it's useless. It's actually worse because they're seeing eh, it's not matching. My parents aren't living what they say. You're creating confusion in your kids. And you need a relationship with your children. 
This can't be underestimated or understated, I should say. And it's cultured young in the younger years. Because by the teens, if you don't have a relationship with your children, good luck. They're going to be adults, 15, 16 years old. Time of culturing a relationship with them is done and gone. And God help me. I'm preaching to myself too. You don't need to get quiet. These are just things. Balance, spiritual life live before your children and a relationship with them is going to create you a much better home. God has some... Brother Branham spoke pretty strong against TV. And you... We... The ministers here have not preached lightly on the technology of this world. Which is needed. But... How can we then provide our children with unfettered access on devices? It's preached. I'm, don't get quiet on me. It's just the guide. It's just the guide. Just saying, whoa, you gotta get back, you know, reconnect. Just the guide. Alright? Don't don't come with problems and need counsel. What do I do? Well, it started way back here when they were 10 and you gave them an iPod and they had the Wi-Fi and you don't even know what you're dealing with. I'll tell you what they're dealing with. I'm telling you they're dealing with 11-year-old little girls that are addicted to porn in the world. That's what daddies at this church go to work with and have other daddies that have that problem. And you may not understand your devices, parents. And even more so should you not even be even providing it. If you're unsure, you should be like a brick wall. Is it hard? It's hard. I'm there. I know what I'm talking about. I'm trying. It's not easy. You got to talk about it with your children. You got to tell them why this is wrong. Why we, we're not being the big media and saying you can't have this. No. Why can't you have this? What are the evils there? What's the trap that Satan's trying to put out in front of you? I said, you're not even looking for it, but you're going to come before somebody that does have it and you need to be protected. We're doing everything we can as a daddy and mom of the home. This is the guide. Shun the appearance of evil. All the apps and social feeds and all this garbage. I'm sorry, but the Super Bowl and all of its garbage halftime shows. That's going through all your feeds. It's debauchery. It's disgusting. And then you wonder why there's struggles. Get rid of it. I know you, I know we're living in this world and it's a must. Well, I have to have my computer. My kids do all their stuff on the computer for school. I get it. But fathers and mothers fortify your home. And if you don't know how, talk to me. Literally. If you need some help, talk to us. We can help there. Children, it's for your good, spiritual, natural. And then you wonder why you're spiritually sick. It's because you've allowed, you have no filter, you have no guide that you've bounced off and you sucked in the air of the world and you're just sickly. That's why. 
But Abraham says, and if I got one desire in my heart, I hope that everybody listening to me has the same thing. God, take me through your filter. As David said, try me, prove me, and see if there be any evil in me. Then take it out, Lord. I want God's filter. Glory. I love David. A man after God's own heart. Why? Because he did wrongs, horrible wrongs, but he repented immediately. Try me, Lord. Search me, Lord. Is there anything, Lord, in me? That's a man after God's own heart or a woman after God's own heart who's just willing to lay it down. Lord, I made done wrong and just immediately before the Lord. Amen. You know, we're growing up in an uncertain world. So I'm going to try and, oh my goodness. Okay, not even halfway through. <laughs> Mercy. Okay, might be part two. First time <laughs> ever. <laughs> we're growing up in a very uncertain world. Very uncertain. And there's lots of questions. Confusing and vague replies can even be given to these. To not just here in the message. I'm just saying the world in general. And, uh, you know, questions. Is there a God? Oh. You know, the, the world right now would probably be like, yeah, probably not. I mean, whatever shape or form you want. It's vague. The world's so... No commitments on nothing. Where, where did everything come from? Well, you know, with the Big Bang Theory or something happened or, you know, and then, but before that, we don't really know. Okay. Well, how do we know what's right or wrong? Well, there's just, a, there's no absolute morality. It's just really what you feel to do. You know, what you, what you feel is right, it's right. It's about where we're at these days. Well, what happens when I die? Ah, probably there's no end. You know, it's the end and really nobody knows for sure. That's that's what you'd get out there. That's what you'd get out there. I I was in a university class and a mom was asked by her young child, where do I go? Where do we go when we die? And she's talking in a discussion in the class. I didn't know what to say. She said, I'd never thought of it before. We're talking to mom. You've never thought of it before. And her little child is saying, where do I go when I die? That's the world that we live in right now. Because there's just, nobody's even, the world's made truth a relative thing. They've made it relative. It's relative to your world. Truth kind of means whatever you need it to mean in your world. It's relative to you. There's no absolute truth anymore to people. Nobody wants to be like, this is right and this is wrong. Pilate said, therefore said unto him, speaking to Jesus, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto truth. I should testify of truth. I'm the evidence of truth. I am truth. <laughs> he, should have, he could have said that. He didn't. He just said to bear evidence unto truth. Everyone that is of truth heareth my voice. Here's Pilate. You know what Pilate's next question was? We all know it. What is truth? He's right before him. He's an evidence of truth before him. Everyone that is of truth heareth me, is what Jesus is saying. And he says, well, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find no fault. My goodness. There was truth standing before him, and he couldn't even see it. 
It's scriptural. John 14, 7 says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you, and shall be with you. <laughs> Glory. Amen. Science. They, uh, you know, sci- truth is what's fact and scientifically proven. You know, that's the world, that seems to be where they want to go. But, you know, there was an article in the New York Times, and some great astrophysicist said, he goes, you know, one of the great strengths of science is that it can fix its own mistakes. There are many hypotheses in science which are wrong, and that's perfectly all right. He says, it's the aperture of finding out what's right. Science is self-correcting process. That is no absolute that I want to take. That is no truth. Self-correcting? Oh, we're wrong. We're just going to fix it over here. It'll auto-correct on our problem. And that's truth? No. That's not truth. Amen? Truth was Christ standing before Pilate. Amen? Truth. Defining truth. It's a big topic. And we're not here for... <laughs> we're not going to go that that uh, long into it here. But defining truth, you can go into the Old English. It has faithfulness and constancy. The Greek word athema... Alethema, state of being hidden. The state of not being hidden, sorry. Unclosedness or unconcealedness, unveiled. Unveiled. Truth, deep meaning, unveiled. Hebrew, or unchangeableness or the reliableness of something. The dependableness, uh, and the words that, these are words that convey the kind of the core of truth. Truth's authentic and sincere. Alright, this is, this is the, these are some of the core roots of truth. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, the dependable one, the faithful one, the unchangeable one, the reliable one, the sincere one, the unveiled one. Glory, that's my truth. That's my guide. Amen. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto me. Under the Father, but by me. Truth in Hebrew is the word emet. I'm not even saying that right, but that's the word. It is made up of the first, the middle, and the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's the beginning, the middle, it's the everything. Truth is there. He's everything. All the way through the Hebrew alphabet is truth. Amen? He goes, if you remove the first letter on the word truth in Hebrew, it becomes the word Dead. If you remove the first letter, which is the first letter in the alphabet, the alpha, the word changes to dead. The letter Al-Elif is the ineffable letter that represents oneness and preeminent glory to God. Therefore, if you attempt to ignore or suppress God in our understanding of truth, you end up in death. Isn't that incredible? Truth. What a, it's much more than scientific fact. Way beyond that. John 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Your guide is truth. Your guide is truth. The spirit of truth is the word and he will point you back to the word. That's why I said in the very beginning, uh, when we read the opening scripture, Brother Branham in the Pergamon Church Ages speaks about, he says, uh, the scripture was, um, he the spirit of truth is coming, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, 
but whosoever he shall hear the word of God, that shall he speak the word. It's only and always the word. It's never anything else. The scripture saying it's always going to be the word of God speaking the word. Okay. Amen. He says interpreting the word. Uh, I want you to know very carefully that Jesus did not say that the evidence. Uh, you know, let's skip that. I'm going to come to that right away. Going back to the unveiling aspect of truth. But Abraham says, and the Holy Spirit speaks the word. I've got many things to tell you. You cannot understand it now. Jesus was saying this. You can't understand now. But when he comes, he'll guide you into it. He says, that's the reason the coming of the seals. At the finishing of the seventh seal, the mystery of God should be finished to know who God is, what he is, how he lives, his nature, his being. You're supposed to be all the way up there by that time. Bring us into the full stature of sons and daughters of God, a church that's washed in the blood of Christ, that's bought without money and is paid by the blood of Jesus. Amen. But without the guide, it's veiled. Truth is veiled without the guide. That's what the scripture said. The world cannot receive it because they can't see it. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him, and he dwelleth with you, and he shall be with you. With the guide, it's unveiled. Without the guide, it's all veiled. All veiled. The importance of the revealed word in this day cannot be underestimated. Cannot be underestimated. And you just look through, there's some really potent things that the scripture says on, uh, on, uh, doubting the word in your age. Brother Branham says here, he says, he said, the evidence would be that you would be in the, uh, he said, the evidence would be that you would be in the truth. You would be in the word of God for your age. If you are in the truth, you're in the word of God for your age. That, he said, was the evidence. Evidence has nothing to do with, uh, evidence has to do with receiving that word. Has to do with receiving that word. And how many doubting a message nowadays, doubting a message, that's what is coming, uh, really hitting, hitting the, uh, the message right now and we've dealt with it. But do they, I, I'm just baffled, do they, do they actually look at the word and compare? The message to the scripture. Have they done that? And what are they pointing to? Their their own thoughts? Their own truth? No. Scripture says, But the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned into fables. Scripture, they'll turn away from the truth, itching ears, and it shall be turned in, and shall be turned into fables. That's exactly where we're at. Fables. It's fables. Steer clear of that garbage. Because it only plants seeds of doubt. It's just a bit of access that Satan can just get in there. And I, I, you and I all know people that just a little look, it's the same thing Eve did. Just a little look. I'm just going to just turn my head and listen a little bit. And he was snared. Snared. You know, they can believe all the other parts of the scripture. They can believe Moses 
and the ridiculousness to man of the story going through the Red Sea. But yet when we start to point to scriptures of this day and match it up to the revealed word in this day, whoa, no, no, no. Oh God, give us men and women of courage, somebody who will stand and call right, right and wrong, wrong. There's an absolute truth. There is a guide who will point you to an absolute. Amen. Who will call right, right, wrong, wrong. It's at a right or wrong. If he said, I read Mark 16, he was talking about Mark 16. That isn't truth. I don't believe the Bible. He was saying, but I'm willing to put my soul on any phrase of that word to say that it's the truth. I believe that it's inspired word of God. This is your prophet. And I believe that every word is of it is inspired. And I'm willing to trust my life anytime on God's word and his promises. For it is true. Amen. Amen. He says, if I prayed for 10,000 people tonight and 10,000 of them died in the morning. Tomorrow night, with the same faith, I'd be preaching divine healing. That's an anchored faith in a true word. Come on, put yourself there. You say that. I'm going to pray for, how many say? 10,000? 10,000 people and they died tomorrow. Is that where your faith is? You're going to come the next night and preach with all passion and fervency and faith in divine healing. That's the anchor you need. Amen? You need to be tied to your guide just that strong. He says, if I'd preached to a thousand people tonight and they all died 50 years from now, the resurrection coming to me saying, Brother Branham, don't believe in him. They're dying now. But you, you do something else. There's no such thing as Christ. There's no such thing as that. I'd t- still take my choice with Christ and let me die believing. That's right. No matter what people says, it's what God has said. God said so. I believe God. Amen. Musicians, why don't you come? You know, as horrible as the feeling of lost is, it's horrible. The feeling of being found is just the opposite in amazing. Being found. You know, people have been lost for 50, 76, 113, 117, 438, record 484 days on sea lost. Thousands of miles traveled lost. The elation when they were found breaks them down to tears and weeping and joy because they're found. I was lost, but now I'm found. They were in wretched states, half naked, skinny, losing hundreds of tens of pounds from 235 pounds down to just a rack. Horrible situations. But now they're found. The peace that comes because they know all is well. All is well when you're being found. Amen. The prodigal is not left lost. Never. The 99 sheep, the one, you know, the one wasn't left out there and left astray. Neither will God leave one soul lost. Why? Because the scripture says, so shall my word that go forth out of my mouth, it will not return unto me void. It won't ever. If he's got your name in his book, his word's going to go out and it will materialize in you being found. Amen? Yes, sir. I'm not going to go through the account because we don't have time. But Brother Branham goes through the account of him on Hurricane Mountain. And he was lost. 
You go and read that account. He was lost. And he's praying. And he's doing the circles. And he's got a wife and baby that are going to die in the snow. Negative temperatures. And he's saying, Lord, I need you. I need you. Took his hat and coat and gun down and prays. And here the Lord comes. And he starts to. And just the fog. He says six miles of fog. Just a little hole blows through. And he sees the tower that he needs to get to. Six miles. And he says he felt a hand push him and he sees that and now he starts in that direction and now it's fog it just had cracked open just six miles of fog and just a teeny little hole to get him to see that and that fog comes in again but he starts to move now it wasn't easy uphill going up to where that was and he's got his gun in his hand and once he gets there he's got to find the line he says he's walking trying to find the line gun in this hand his hand's getting tired switches with the gun gets this hand up he's walking trying to find the line trying to find the guide So he's trying to find his lifeline. He's trying to find the guide. And when he found that guide, oh my goodness, what a feeling that was. I'm free. I'm not lost no more. I found the lifeline. That's what we need tonight. If you don't have a lifeline, if you don't have your hand, get your hand up. Say, Lord, I need the lifeline. That's why the song can sing when he reached down his hand for me and grab a hold of that hand. He says, I got you, son. I got you, daughter. You can call on the name of the Lord. You shall be saved. Amen. Oh, but you know what we want to say? I'm fine. My wife knows I hate the word fine. I'm just fine. You're not fine. You either present on the upward way or you're in sin and you need God. There's this fine middle business ain't happening. Brother Bram says they need a guide. They realize they're trying to fool themselves. They're trying to say, I'm all right. But way deep down, they know they're not. Brother Bram doesn't like fine neither. He says, I'm all right, but they're not. And they want to feel you, Lord. They want the guide. They want to sign up. He says they're not overstocked. He's referencing an earlier quote when he spoke. They want to sign up for this trip. They don't know how to get there. He's praying. No one knows how to take them there. You're the only one. And they've raised up their hands. Because they need the guide. Amen. Glory, let's stand. We'll just sing that little song, Ryan, just in a moment. Um, Jesus led the way. Yeah, sure. Michael preached a part of my life, and uh, I think it's very, very applicable. Uh, What he was saying tonight is uh, so identical to not only an experience I had, but uh, now it took on a whole new meaning. I was lost. If you'd have told me that I was going to be lost, I'd have never believed you. I always would get out of the car and go walking maybe up the hills like you do, Nathan, and uh, come back out two, three hundred meters from the car and just walk over to the car and get in. If you had told me you're going to be lost, I'd have never believed you. Say, ah, get out of here. I knew what it was to go to church. I'm talking now spiritually. 
Some people can go to church and they know the way. They know what the message is. And uh, they know the basics of the message. Oh yeah, well I've heard that ever since I was just uh, a little kid, you know. But I didn't understand it. And if you'd have told them, one day you're going to be lost. Never believed it. And um, did I ever get lost? And then I came across a cut line. Oh, it was just uh, wonderful. And I knew that it was going east and west. I just knew it. And I started walking on that. And then I started making my way. Uh, I knew I was heading the right direction. And you know what I found? I was watching and I came across a cut line again. And I saw a track. It was mine. I had made a complete circle. And uh, I was looking down at lost tracks, but didn't realize I was still lost. I was still lost. I was looking at lost tracks. I had the evidence of being lost, but I didn't didn't show me the way out. And I got so lost, I got weakened. You just start going faster. You start to go panic a wee bit. And you get into rough area. Things of life are not easy. And you start getting into rough area and you start playing out. And uh, I got weakened. And I've seen a lot of people that start out in the message. They're so strong and so happy. But they get lost. And they get weakened. And when I got weakened, then I had to admit I was lost. And that was a tough one. Me? Lost? But I had to admit I was lost. And that's a, that's hard to do. Well, I go there and I testify and I sing and say amen and all, but could still be lost. And it's hard to admit it. Then I finally said to myself, I'm lost. I better kneel down here and pray. And I knelt down and by a tree and began to pray. And I said, Lord, I am lost. I don't know which way. Everything started looking the same. All the hills looked the same. It was a gray day like it is outside. And I thought everything looked the same. And I was confused. And so I said to the Lord, I don't know the way out. I'm going to stand up. And however I feel you leading me. And I didn't feel, I didn't hear any voice of thunder. I didn't, I didn't see any flashes of light. But just a little still, you talk about a still small voice. It's very still and very small. And I felt to go opposite to what I was sure I was supposed to go. And I went the opposite direction. And uh, I walked a while, not very long, and everything I could just see differently. And 
and I knew where I was. And I, I got found. Amen. Thank you. I got a hold of the wire. Thanks, my man. Yes, sir. We need to fall down on our knees. At those moments, it's exactly... You could be, I don't care how long you've been in the, in the message or following, you can still be lost. You know, I thought about just even coming into camp and better Aaron McGeary years ago spoke on breaking the cycle and just that when I was pondering lost as you just walked in that circle. And I know many have walked in circles. They come to church and they come to church and there this becomes foggy and and they get lost. Their experience wanes. And unless you reach the lifeline, as Brother Bram said, it's the death walk. I know it's late. I, did, I kept you a little longer than I wanted to. I'm just going to sing this little song. But if the fog is just clearing just a little bit, I'm not going to, I'm not going to linger long, but I'm, don't miss the opportunity of maybe that lifeline is just above you and you need to get your hand up to feel it. And your chance of being found is right now. Is right now. If that fog is just blown just and the Lord is just breathed a little bit in your world right now and that fog is cleared just enough so you can actually see Christ, don't miss your opportunity tonight. It might. It doesn't need to be much. I'm not saying you need to come to the altar, but maybe that's where you need to be. Maybe it's in your chair. I don't know where the Lord has you and where you are in your mind. But if you remotely have a tug, do not miss the moment to reach up and to say, Lord, I need the lifeline tonight. Let's just sing this little song here before we pray. I don't know if you even know it. That's not the song. Will be yours. I sent the words of earlier. And I shall reach that distant shore as I lay my burdens down. Jesus led me all the way. Isn't that a nice little song? I'm going sing that Jesus has led me all the way. Let's just bow our heads. You in your heart. So Lord, you're not leading me at this moment and I need a guide. The world and its confusion. But I need truth in my life. Just you start, you speak to him. In your pew, wherever you need to be, we'll just talk to him a little bit tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so thankful you are my guide. Lord, what a comfort it is to know that my hand is clenched by the Master's hand. Lord, you're leading me each step of the way. Lord, if someone here tonight does not have that confidence... And Lord, they've been walking in circles and they're lost. And they're trying to find Him. Lord, as your scripture said, call on the Lord 
Seek him while he can still be found tonight, Lord. Lord, your mercy is still new today. Your grace is abundant, oh God. Lord, may they not miss the opportunity. May that fog just clear enough, Lord. And Lord, they have the courage to start moving towards it. Brother Branham took six miles, Lord, to get to that point. It was trudging. It was difficult. It was dark. Stumbling and banging his knees. But Lord, may they, whatever it takes, oh God, to reach the goal, to reach the lifeline, Lord, tonight. May it anchor deep in their heart, oh God. Lord, as we spoke last week, because it's worth it. It's worth it all. It's worth that courage to step forth and say, Lord, I'm lost. I need you. There's no shame in it. There's no shame in saying you're lost. The saints and angels will rejoice. Scripture speaks of it. The angels will rejoice when one soul is saved. Lord, may tonight, Lord... They just have their turn their eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face or as you reach down with your hand and reach a hold of their hand and say, I've got you. And may that anchor, Lord, in the peace that passes all understanding. Lord, flood over their soul tonight. It's real, Lord. It's real, Lord. Real to me, Lord, since I was a little boy, nine years old said I need Jesus just in my little room wasn't anything special or loud and emotional but Lord at that moment my hand reached up and it grabbed the lifeline Lord more correctly you grabbed me may that moment come to someone here tonight Lord or maybe on the internet somewhere And then they can say as they cross over, it was Jesus who led me all the way. Commit the night to you. Sorry for going a little long, Lord. May the people, Lord, just depart and have the rest of the week lingering and thinking on these things we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen, amen, amen. My apologies. Maybe we'll just sing. That course just a little one more time. Jesus led me all the way. As we go, you can shake each other's hand. Just be mindful of the Lord. Amen. Jesus led me all the way.